0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete, and on the stack we got a ton of comics to talk to you about. A ton about this so week. So many. Let's kick it off with a big one: Outsiders, number one from DC Comics, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Robert Carey. Now, I gotta say, I didn't think this was going to be a big one going into it. I yeah. this is like the umpteenth outsiders title i figured okay this is another batman's non-justice league team thing going on that's not what it is at all they have it's kept... more
1: outside it's it further is, outside it's, it's further, further outside from... outsiders
0: yes uh cash me outside if you will right
2: oh, oh yeah good no, good wait what it. sorry what year is it
0: <laughs> it's hmm. old bad years This book, they have kept secret what this book is, uh, and I didn't know going in. Sames. So spoilers here. This is Luke Fox, who is Batwing, is putting together a new team. He recruits Batwoman, says, hey, we're going to investigate weird multiversal mysteries about the DC universe. He doesn't use those words, obviously, but that's essentially what he tells her. They are working with Lucius Fox, his dad, They ultimately reveal that there is a third member of the team who is called Drummer. Even before that, though, I don't know about you guys, I was like, this is weird. This is basically the concept from Planetary, the old comic book from Wildstorm, written by Warren Ellis and art by John Cassidy. That's what it is. It is straight up a reboot of Planetary Featuring their, the mystery that they're investigating is the authority's carrier. There are dead century babies, which is a major plot line in the authority and other wild storm books. Uh, and at the end, somebody comes in with a planetary guy. That Luke Fox is wearing Elijah Snow's white suit and jacket the entire time. This is wild. Yeah,
2: but cool. And I think it's this drummer character is the one who has the planetary book. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. That's your theory there? I I think it's pretty – I mean, she's
2: holding drumsticks. So maybe – I don't know how many drummers there are. Mm -hmm. There could be multiple drummers. Do you know how many drummers there are just out there in general?
0: Well, so uh, let me – speaking of putting things out there, let me put this out there up front. So I think it's absolutely wild that they're doing a planetary reboot – my guess, this is just a guess, but I think part of the reason this is called Outsiders is Warren Ellis is been accused of multiple counts of sexual coercion, not necessarily assaults, but definitely gaslighting and other things. He's essentially been excommunicated from comics and video games and TV and everything else that he was associated with. So I don't know if there's a financial thing there. Wildstorm definitely worked differently than DC Comics does. But I gotta imagine there's a move to disassociate from his name there by calling it outsiders. But as is Wow. Well, what?
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. But also like DC has taken in the Wildstorm books for years. It's not like this no, is. Oh no, but like, calling this
0: outsiders uh, versus planetary, which this very clearly is, like it's the say it's a reboot of planetary, um, is interesting like there's got to be more going on there i
2: think well but while there is a wildcats book under the dc purview like they use all of those characters willy-nilly however they want without calling the stories that sure um, there's a book we're going to talk about later with zealot in it, and like that's not at all reference to that so like i actually like that it, it's sort of coming in under the dc radar it actually is a much better way of incorporating the worlds as opposed to I feel like sort of slamming them together feels a little strange. Mm-hmm. What also, do you think it's about int-
1: speed. I yeah, I didn't uh, put any of that together or have any of that kind of going on while I was reading it. I just thought that this was an interesting thing to kind of work outside of Batman, and then the kind of fear of like, oh man, once Batman finds out about this, he's gonna be pissed. Well, there's uh, definitely so-
0: th- that element, but. For anybody who doesn't know Planetary, the idea was, I think they were archaeologists of the impossible is what it was called. And so they were a team of three, rather than fighting supervillains or whatever, for the most part, all they would do is kind of investigate things and be like, well, writing that down. And everything was an amalgam of other things. So there was an issue where they investigated a Frankenstein style monster. There was an issue where they investigated something that was essentially a guy like Godzilla. The overarching plot of planetary was there was a group called the four that was the DC version of the fantastic four who had gotten those powers and wanted more power. So where planetary was just sort of logging these weird things the four would come in and be like, we want to possess it. We want to dissect it and use that technology and become more powerful than we have been before. So we don't really get that in this issue, but I've, that's gotta be coming. I feel like.
2: Yeah. And like, I thought this was great. I love Batwoman as sort of the locus point of the hero here, which is very cool. Um, the Luke, Lucius Fox stuff, they, you know, there are characters who have been on the periphery of the Bat family for a while. Bringing them in is cool. I feel like we're going to get another hero in here, though, probably, right, mm-hmm. outside of Drummer. I
0: don't think so. It's three people in Planetary, and I feel like that's what they're sticking with. I, I Well, think... but I,
2: I just mean, like, we'll touch yeah. on more. Like, I think there's a way for to sure. do this book that isn't about. The, those mysteries, it could incorporate more DC stuff. Well, I, more. I, yes, well, I think
0: that that's what I think the idea is, is it's planetary. Instead of investigating, like, sort of iconic pop culture mysteries, it's investigating DC stuff. And that's, you know, they tip their hand there in terms of investigating the authorities carrier in this first issue. I will say I feel like Luke Fox is a weird fit here. I don't know yeah. if he fits into that role of, like, the animatic leader in the same way that I would want. But I do like Batwoman in here. The drummer is very interesting. I love the shout-out to John Cassidy. We get a Dr. Cassidy as the one person who stays behind, interfaced with the authority at the uh, the authority's carrier at the end of the issue. So this is very cool.
1: It's, a, it's weird how you've just put in kind of a funky accent on that. But I just – I also Cassidy? think that what – yeah, it's Cassidy. You've, no, no, there's an A between the D
2: and the He's y. got a sneaky A in there. No. He's Cassidy. got three A's. Just, uh,
1: this like the, all right, anyways. He's, a, he's
0: uh, a real triple A artist. I, would say. I yeah. mean,
1: this is, you know, what's interesting about the drummer is they've got to get close enough to just, you know, be able to do that, uh, you know, big tap. Otherwise, that power is kind of useless.
2: Well, like all drummers, you want to be close to the instrument.
1: No, that's, that's,
2: they don't yeah. do much when they're just drumming on the air, um, but her name is Drummer, not the drummer. I would also say that Kelly and Lansing over on their Captain America book on the Marvel side of things felt like it was right next to this with it talking about the secret societies, the shield, the circle, all that. So the moving over here and sort of getting closer to perhaps the home property for that is really cool.
0: Carnage number one for Marvel, written by Torin Grunbach, art by Per Perez in this book. Not a huge spoiler here. You can see it on the cover. But the Carnage suit, who has become all powerful, all on its own, and gotten rid of all of its weaknesses, ultimately is sent back to Earth, and cre- recreates Cletus Cassidy's body by vomiting him up on out of somebody else's body, I think is what's going on here reconstitutes him and basically decides to destroy Flash Thompson's life utterly and completely. Uh, There's also a religious thing going on here. What did you guys think about this first issue?
1: Uh, This is very dark, but also really kind of fits nicely. I kind of, uh, I love uh, all the setup and all the kind of uh, uh, first issue kind of stuff that they were doing here. I I think it's really fucked up, but it's also like, ooh, this is kind of crazy and interesting to see this kind of uh, take on this character. So, I don't know. I thought it did a great job as a first issue. I got excited to read more. Uh, Torrin talked about uh, this book to us at uh, Baltimore
2: Comic-Con in a great interview. If you haven't heard that, it's very worthwhile. Like, she loves Carnage. She loves the sort of sociopathy of that, of – cletus and the way that he sort of moves through things and like the way that this story just introduces horrifying elements sort of a page before then we see it and then it's horrible i think is a, a nice uh, trap to fall into
0: i am always very trepidatious about a carnage book just because i don't like the goop side of the marvel universe hey goop love- I don't. You're not also, a good person. It's very hard to take a character like Carnage, who essentially was created because Venom was supposed to be an unrepented villain. They turned him into an anti-hero, so they're like, oh, let's make somebody even worse than Venom. Carnage. How do you make him as the title character? And the idea here of turning, riffing off the idea that he was a god, there was the whole a spiral circle thing that Donnie Cates did leading up to the King in Black stuff, riffing off that in a more grounded religious way, pitting him directly against Flash Thompson, a character that I really like as anti-Venom. And I think is really interesting. Yeah. um, Yeah. I think is great. Like that's a great way of positioning it. So Not that I was necessarily harumph with this book, but you really need to win me over with a Carnage book, and this definitely did. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, I I would also say the difference is there. It's pulling it back from the uh, godlike powers of the previous incarnations and getting us more into the more serial killer uh, cat-mouse game that I think we're going to get into with this series, and that feels very fun.
0: Yeah, I'd and also different. give a shout out to Pere Perez's art, which doesn't shy away from the disgusting, gory horror throughout the book. There's yep. some very gross stuff that happens in here. This oh, is yeah. 100% for adults. Don't hand it to a kid in your life. I Lotus had my Land. daughter
2: read it aloud to me, and
1: she oh, really loved smart. it. Smart. Smart.
0: Lotus Land, number one from Boob Studios, written by Darcy von Polgeest, art by Chow Felipe. This is an entirely new sci fi story. Um, I almost hesitate to say too much about it, other than there is a detective who is living in a cabin with his kid. He's raising him. Um, he gets called, of course, back for one last case.
1: Oh, it's, uh, every time you think always you always out, they pull you back in.
0: But the way that this book very slowly weaves out what's going on is at first you're like, OK, it's just a detective living with his kid. And oh, nope, a spaceship is landing. And oh, nope, there's this big sci-fi story. What are keepers? What's going on here? We get way more mystery and psychic stuff happening by the end. This is from the same writer as Little Bird, a title we absolutely loved. Yeah, I think this brings the same level of originality, uniqueness, and emotional intensity that that title did. I was blown away by this. I'm very excited to read more.
1: Yeah, this was uh, my one of the top picks of the week. I mean, what a comic. What a start. Yes, please. Art all day, er day. This is just such an amazing tone, such an amazing pace. Uh, ama- just like unbelievable storytelling. I loved every single panel of this. It was just uh, uh, so great.
2: What do you think about the fact that it was set in the year 2648? Feels like a long time,
0: mm-hmm. like yeah. you can't Too picture long? it in your hand Like you can't I relate mean, to it.
2: 625 years.
0: That's feels far like from now. Yeah, not relatable about, to the common man.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's uh, I'll be a head in a floating jar at that point. <laughs> that's a real dream. Sorry, so that's the a jar
0: fun. is floating, but not yeah
2: yet. on the sea. <laughs> The jar is floating on the sea, and there's yeah, no the water in the, the jar. Bottom.
0: The head is too heavy. It's at the bottom of the jar, but the jar is floating.
2: Yeah, and there's no water in there. It's just a sort of a skull, really.
0: Real quick, Justin, sorry to ask this. Do you have any <laughs> opinions on the comic book?
2: Uh, the comic book we're talking about? Yes, I also enjoyed this. Uh, very good. I like the art. The story is intriguing. I like the way we sort of paced out slow, slow play uh, the uh, sci-fi elements here. Uh, very excited for more. Speed
0: Force, number one. And more about Pete's head. (laughs) we got to find out more (laughs) about that. How did that head get there? Why is it not floating? It should be in liquid if he wants to come alive. People want to know. Speed Force, number one, from DC Comics, written by Jarrett Williams, art by Daniel DiNicolo. This new title is teaming up two speedsters, Wally West and Avery Ho, in a new title, as they not investigate speed mysteries, but team up and sort of like fight yeah they're running yeah now i know you guys don't like uh speedster stuff what do you think about this book
2: Uh, (laughs) i mean it's not that i hate speed i like to run it makes me smile i think i'll go another mile uh but this feels like a little bit just a little poem so I'll throw I, <laughs> I like to insert poetry I like to insert poetry into my life this feels like i it's a the tone of the book is a little strange to me I don't quite understand it because it gets very fun by the end it's very just like superheroy and hanging out for a while and then it's sort of like here's some new villains that are pretty wacky and I'm not i turned off by that I, I like that in fact, I think that's something that the flash family could use more of is just like wild weird as opposed to super like lighthearted hero with super dramatic situation which i think a lot of flash books are so i hope that's where this book uh firmly goes
1: yeah i thought the uh the art style was really young and fun and had like a really great look to it
0: I agree with you on the art. I thought Daniel DiNicola's art was very propulsive, which is exactly what you want out of a speedster book. Yes. The characters are sort of almost extended. Like they're sort of stretching out of the page. They're stretching. They're very stretchy. They're not goopy, they're nice. Alex. No, they're, they're not. stretchy. Uh, I will agree with you, Justin. I had a hard time holding on to the plot of this book. I want to know more about Wally West and Avery Ho and while we're following them as characters versus, hey, they're not in other books. What if we put them in a book together and see what happens? What is this story? Why are we following them? Why do we care about them? That's something I don't necessarily know yet out of this first issue. And I'm hoping we develop as it goes along.
1: Hey, uh. Why don't we uh, next talk about a book that you were really looking forward to talking about, Alex? Absolutely. Superior Spider-Man number one
0: from Marvel <laughs> right. written by Dan Slott, art <laughs> by Mark Bagley and Nathan Stockman. Finally, as we've demanded it, the Superior Spider-Man is back. Kind of. We're getting two stories here. The first one is spinning right off, confusingly, of the Spider Superior Spider-Man Returns one-shot where Doc Ock is trying to investigate the memories that he doesn't remember from his time as Superior Spider-Man when he was in Peter Parker's body. And meanwhile, there's a new villain called Supernova who's coming directly after Spider-Man when actually she wants to attack Superior Spider-Man. In the backup story, we find out a little bit about what was going on with Spider-Boy during the years of Superior Spider-Man. Here's the thing, and I know Pete 100% disagrees with me, I love the superior Spider-Man era. I think it is great. It was bold storytelling, really smartly done, exactly in Dan Slott's wheelhouse. And I am so happy to revisit it. I think the riff he's visiting here – I'm going to give you a spoiler for the end – but by the end of the first story, Doc Ock finally remembers that he was in Peter Parker's body. So now he knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Legitimately, when I read that, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, this is great. Because that's such danger for Peter and such a power position for yeah. Doc Ock. And that's good. The backup story, I'm still not sold on Spider-Boy as a character. But I think, again, this is oh. a smart... Dan slot idea of hey, what was up with Spider-Boy during these years when uh, Doc Ock was in Peter Parker's body. So overall, I really love this issue. Mark Bagley, impeachable in terms of art. Nathan Stockman is great unimpeachable. as... Unimpeachable. No, he's impe- <laughs> impeaching.
2: You're impeaching him?
0: You're impeaching the artist? I'm impeaching You're,
1: him. I'm impeaching so. him. you're filing I'm articles called, of impeachment? It seems like he's exactly. going against what you said there. Yeah,
0: wow. Arrest him. Throw Mark Bagley in jail for this issue.
1: This is just great Dan slot comics. I mean, he, you know, this is wow. just, he is doing such a, fun, having so much fun, it comes through. Uh, you can really see his passion in his work here, and it's, uh, it's hard to ignore. Uh, I don't like Superior Spider-Man, but I do like what he's doing in this issue. Um, and uh, yeah, love the art.
2: The... I like Superior Spider-Man as well. It was a fun era. I, I feel like we have competing Spider-Man continuity to the point where, like, I just want the editorially them to order this a little bit because it just feels like, is this book it? Is Spider-Boy the future of Spider-Man? Because that's what this book is saying. And the other book is – the Zeb Wells book is telling these other very different stories, jumping into different genres and and doing wild things. And I, I don't know. I feel like for some reason these books are competing in a way. And Dance Lot is pushing Spider-Boy so hard and and I, I just – I I see his passion for it. I want a little bit of a pullback on it for my, for my reading because if I'm buying a Superior Spider-Man book, that's what I want. Like I want to get into that. And so much of this in the front and back story is Spider Boy being like, here's, it's a, this is about me. And Spider Man's talking to Spider Boy about like, well, here's the things that happened. And I, I just feel like it feels like a press from the writer. And when you can feel that in the story. I think it hurts the experience.
1: Uh, Justin, I hate to uh, flex on you here, but if you had children, you would understand that they are annoying and they ask questions all the fucking time. You know what I mean? So I think maybe, you know, if you knew that, you would kind of appreciate the truth of it a little bit more.
2: Uh, Sorry, I couldn't hear you. I was just getting um, a series
1: of texts from my children.
2: (laughs) Uh, What were you saying?
0: Well, I always think about my children as more of a Parliament of Rooks. Number one from Comixology by Abigail Jill Harding. This is a wild fantasy story about a birdman who just loves a lady and wants to live his life. That's the simplest way of putting it. What do you guys think about this one?
1: (laughs) I thought this was another amazing first issue. Uh, dark in all the right ways. I loved it. The art is super tight bananas and uh, does such a great job of pulling you into the story with the dark kind of colors, the almost charcoal feel to it. Yeah, it's just uh, – it's great. It's very cool.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed this as well. It feels a little bit like uh, a more serious Hellboy Ooh. Uh, or a Hellboy without like all of the like, ah, Fun. I'm getting punched by this thing. Uh, energy and uh, getting into the, the romance and relationship side of it. But from our perspective, very much in that, in that world,
0: this feels a little bit like a dream to me. And I say that complimentarily just in terms of the pacing of it, because every couple of pages, I wasn't 100% sure of what continuity we were in with these characters. Like who is the main character? What is actually happening? Um, but well, that's okay. It, it feels like an old school vertigo book in that way, in a certain way, where it's like, yeah, man, we're just having some fun with experimentation with form. And the designs of the characters are bloody and terrifying. So, yeah, I was into this as well. Batman and Robin, number three from DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Simone DiMeo. Batman and Robin, just trying to make it work as partners and as father <laughs> and son. Can they do it? Uh,
2: can you do both?
0: I don't know. Can men have a sidekick? All? Have you ever sidekicks for your dad?
1: <laughs> Nightmare scenario. <laughs> What'd you guys think about this one? Yeah, I thought this was a uh, really cool. Uh, it's uh it's dark, but unique. I really love the style. Uh, there's a lot going on. Love the Batman and Robin relationship in this. There's tons of action twists and turns. Fun last panel. I mean, this is a great story. How do we feel about the name Shush? Don't that, that pulled me is out that, of is it. Is that
2: a cheat? Is that a little bit of a cheat to be like, hush? No, no, I'm Shush. Shush.
1: Yeah, I was like, did we really, Shush is what we're going to go with?
2: And who's who's next? Like, Shush, Shush, or just like? The next um, is the
1: little old lady
0: in the corner eating mush.
2: Yeah, I'm looking oh, forward to wow. her. I love Mush and I uh, love when she's don't eating the mush.
0: Shush. I also and this is a weird thing. I don't love white rabbit just because that feels like no wait, that's a Spider Man villain.
1: Which, oh, I thought it was a matrix reference.
0: Yes, that's where White Rabbit started.
1: Matrix. matrix. Yeah, Oh, <laughs> the, the White
0: Rabbit. Oh, the White Rabbit. This is a reference. There wasn't an Batman.
1: actual White Rabbit in the Matrix there, was there? Yeah, there was. Not All like right. a, it was a rabbit tattoo
0: but uh, still a yeah. white rabbit right and that just to be clear came from the matrix and nowhere else nowhere else
2: Nowhere. yeah else. that's the only place yeah i mean uh, where, continue to like you...
0: simone debaio's art in this book like i do like the earlier, art earlier the word is kinetic i think here alien number one for marvel written by declan shalvey art by andrea Bricardo and declan shalvey This, despite the new number one, is kicking right off of Declan Shalvey's previous run on Alien, which found a young girl trapped on an ice planet full of aliens. She is the lone survivor, very similar to the Predator series that they just did for Marvel. We are continuing that. And following her years later, she has a vendetta with the aliens, with the Weyland-Yutani Corporation, and that's what we're seeing play out here. This is far more complicated than the previous run, but I still think there's some very interesting ideas at play here, and I, I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, me too.
2: Wh- I, I really like how tight the continuity they've created here is, where they're just really following up. They're taking some time and continuing to plug in the classic alien things we want to see into them these same places with different factors uh, coming into it. It's a great way to sort of hold on to a a type of story, an alien story, while also bringing us a, a new version of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this was great. I really liked the, the art and uh, loved all the kind of close calls and tense moments that you get from an alien project. So I feel like they nailed that. I, there was a little part of me that was like, uh, underwater aliens, uh, all right I mean, I guess like we've had aliens in space We've had aliens here, like all right, sure The underwater aliens, okay But um, other than that, I think uh, it's really great
0: I will say I really like the visuals of that There's a panel towards yeah. the end of the issue That I think was an Andrea Ricardo issue That shows the aliens just sort of almost like kelp on a coral reef or something like that. Yeah. That was pretty terrifying. And the designs of these all-white aliens with sort of like a little fuzz around their necks, I think, is
1: very cool.
2: Agreed. They Deadly look like fuzz. lobsters. They look like lobsters. They, they belong
1: under the sea. <laughs> oh, man. Get that big going.
0: Let's move Son to did. an advance issue. The Bloody Dozen, number one. This is out uh, December 13th from Image Comics, it. written by Charles soul art by Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque. This is continuing the, Shrouded the college storyline that started with hell to Bay. I think was the first series. So there's going to be a yeah. series of six series that are going to tell different genre stories in the shroud of college. Then we're going to get a seventh one that's going to bring everything together. This one, I can spoil this because this is in the solicit Don't text. That they put it out there. This is a vampire heist. Uh, It's in the solicit text. He talks about it. I just don't
1: understand you. It's allowed. Why why are you worried?
0: Yeah, what are are you worried
1: about? I I talk about a comic, you're like, you're spoiling it, asshole. You give away the whole fucking plot and it's fine.
0: Well, I mean, it's in the solicit text. So there you go. Anyway, I thought this was great. I actually like this even better, I think, than the first series, just in terms of being like a high-octane action movie concept. Very fun.
2: Yeah, it's in the same world, but this one is the pace is faster, like you're saying, and the tone is a little bit more like uh, like like an early Rick Remender book. It has sort of like a little bit of fear agent energy or the sort of like uh, the – what was the one where the guy? Uh, he's a biker and he inherits all the uh, power to take on cosmic Rider. No, uh, it's like scumbag. the the scumbag. Yeah, it has it has a little bit of that tone to it, and That's I was surprised what you by that
1: about scumbag.
2: It, oh. A little bit, like it has a little bit of that pace to it, and that sort of it's much looser and uh, sort of lighter than I expected. So. Um, I was surprised to see that, but I I like this. I'm curious to see how all these books, six books, will tie together.
1: Uh, yeah, I thought it, it escalated really quickly in a kind of badass kind of way. Uh, speaking of badasses, you had a badass grandpa in there. I love that. Um, yeah, I think this is really intense and awesome, so more please.
2: Yeah. Do you, Pete, do you feel like um, you have to worry about competition from a badass grandpa as a lover of badass grandmas?
1: Um, I'm not sure what you're trying to
2: insinuate. Just like you're obsessed with badass grandmas just from uh, in every aspect. Do you feel like a badass grandpa is like when another mallard duck shows up on a pond?
0: <laughs> you have no, to like...
1: I can appreciate either either one that I'm getting. If I'm getting an older person who kicks ass, I'm in. Just all olds. Yeah. You love.
0: All olds, all the time. That's our pull quote for this book. Pick it up when it comes out in December. Next up, a book that actually did come out this week. Danger Street, number 11 from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Jorge Fornes. We're getting towards the end here. We are one issue from the end. And boy, Man. you can really oh, feel dude. the tension rising as a bunch of things happen with a bunch of different
1: characters. You can tell it's rising because <clears throat> the helmet is yelling at you right from the jump. You know what I mean? That's been true That's in tension. every issue.
2: Every issue that helmet's been yelling.
1: Yeah, and every issue is full of uh tons of tension and tons of action. Sure. Um I yeah, I think this is just another uh crazy-ish uh uh yeah, I just uh, there's just so much going on here, but I loved all the art. Uh, the The madness is so interesting and cool. The, I mean, the arm wrestling when there was just a pile of arms. That's insane. That was such a crazy, cool idea. Uh, really well executed and uh, lizard. And well, yeah. Sorry, arm
2: wrestling on a lizard, man. Yeah. This uh, has the – as a penultimate issue, I feel like this issue – I was surprised how much it was sort of like, uh, okay, let's just chill out and set up a bunch of stuff to happen in the last issue. Uh, from Tom King, I usually think more will happen leading up to it. This reminds me uh, – this issue sort of crystallized it. This is like True Detective set in the DC universe. Which season? Uh, Not uh, like the first one. Okay, good. Or the good. second. Four. Or the third. Or fourth
1: season. No, no, the yeah. first season. Or the so the upcoming... If we're talking about True Detective, we talk about the first season. Yeah.
2: You're not a fan of the second season?
1: Not as you know, much, Like no. Vince Vaughn? I or love Vince Vaughn? Vaughn, but, you know. It was, he walks it's... a lot. There, at
0: the... Oh, my God. He says you're that, like, think I think, about in the it. season. Um, what What is going on in this book? I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm having a mental block here when I know you guys like it. But it's definitely, I read this issue, and to the point that you're making, Justin, I was like, what what is happening here? What is, how are yeah. these characters coming together and it may still be this brilliant ending there. I will say a couple of issues back the fight on the rooftop I thought was like amazing contender for the issues best. of the year. Jorge Fornés gorgeous art love Tom King as
1: a writer. I do not know what's going on at at this point. you got to trust the process, man. you got to trust that he's going to land the ship.
2: I think Tom King has has been in a little bit of a phase lately of being very coy with his information, and this is a big example of it.
0: A phase for his entire career, you think?
2: His whole career, yep. I mean, not in the earlier stuff, I would (laughs) argue. Uh, Just the last few years. And, you know, I like these characters. I especially like um, our cop character and what happens here. The the part that it just, there's too many disparate threads. It's hard to see how they're going to come together. But I do think that's what the point of this is.
0: We shall see. Let's move on to a one shot. Star Wars Visions Peach Momoko, number one for Marvel by Peach Momoko. In come this out. issue, a bunch of goop goes into some stuff.
1: Oh, go fuck yourself, dude. All right? I mean, so that's also bo- true, Pete. That's also true. Yes, but goop. boiling it down to that undermines how
0: beautiful. goes into some stuff complimentary.
2: Yes, Carnage. This is a Carnage. I think this is the Carnage
1: book. Yes, this is, is a Carnage beautiful number version two? of car- Carnage. Uh, no, I mean, you want to talk about buying something for the art alone. This is the issue. We're talking about super toy bananas art here. This is just... I I can't say enough amazing things about the art. The, I really believe that this is the future of comics where you let art take up most of the panel. Don't fucking have any respect for words. They just get what? in the way of beautiful scenery.
2: That's a weird I, weird thing to say. You're saying there's going to be fewer words in future comics? That's right. Well, again, try paintings. Uh. This is great. It's a really nice, it's a really nice book. And I, this plays into the conversation we were having about the Marvel's MCU and, and just like letting, letting creators take swings at ideas, doing stuff in the world that feels and looks different. Because like, if, if you said, if I said to you right now, Pete, tell me what happens in this story. I think you'd be like, oh, okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. Goop,
1: uh, no, nope. no, that's not what I would say. Force, force, stuff, Sith. Nope. That's maybe a not Sith? What I would say. Throw a Sith in there. Why don't you instead of telling me what I'm going to say, maybe you could ask me, and then I could uh, fulfill this prophecy. That's a great idea, but I would
2: never do that. Alex, no. what do you think? Uh, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> Pete. I'm just getting Pete. What what happens in this issue?
1: Well, we find ourselves on this planet and it looks like this girl is struggling with who she is and what she must do in life. And um, just when she gets to a really important moment in her life, somebody else steals an opportunity to make a choice and shoot somebody in the head and uh, their death maybe starts some kind of revolution And um, uh, this world that uh, once had this kind of organized chaos uh, might just fall into uh, real chaos here. So, um, you know, it's it's tension. But uh, like all ecosystems, you mess something up. It can really kind of send your world into a nightmare scenario.
0: Hmm.
1: Nice. It reminded
2: me of Bone a little bit. The later uh, later issues when they got into the more mythological
1: stuff.
0: I guess just to wrap it up here, I thought it was nice when the goop went into the other guy.
1: Geiger, Ground Zero. Come on, man. Say something nice.
0: <laughs> Beautiful art. I love Peach Pomoka's art. I do agree with you. I'm being very glib, but I think, um, I don't know. I guess I would say this is the future of comics, you know, where <laughs> writers are wow. a piece that nobody cares about and artists are really lifted up. Right, Pete? Yep.
2: Nice. There was writing involved. Wow. Uh, wow, that's wild. There was writing involved in this, Pete. It's not like it was just like the artist who is also the writer just showed up and was like, let me doodle. There was writing involved.
1: <laughs> I, I know that.
0: Geiger, Ground Zero, number one from Image Comics, written by Jeff Johns, art by Gary Frank. This is a origin story for Geiger, the radioactive man who we've already met. In the first story of the unknown... Universe, which is now part of Ghost Machine, an independent co-op of artists and writers that is a subset of Image Comics that's officially launching next year. So lots of stuff going on here. What do you guys think about this issue?
1: Well, it's great to finally get the kind of origin. We kind of jumped right into the middle of action with uh, the kind of glowing man, as I like to call him. And uh, yeah, I just think it's... um, Cool to kind of get this story. It was interesting that it was saved for last, but it uh, it's nice to know. And, uh, you know, you didn't think it was going to be a happy story, and uh, it definitely isn't. The big spoiler for me
2: is that he loves his
1: family. Mm. Didn't Spoilers, yeah. Didn't.
0: yeah really who, who
1: actually loves their family?
0: You know what I mean? Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, great on... Uh, great team, like great un- on comics. Yeah, impeachable yeah. team, I would say. Frankly, no,
2: it's unimpeachable. Uh, I think unimpeachable. you've been unimpeachable.
0: unimpeachable team. yes. or
2: maybe you mean peachable. Yeah, it's, peach, yeah, like it's great butts. peachable. You peach mean great cool. butts? peach They have great. They both have great butts. Peachable. Yes. <laughs> super <laughs> peachable.
0: Peach butts. <laughs> um, peach butts. Anyway, this story is unnecessary to tell because we already kind of got it in Geiger. But if you're yeah. going to tell it. I'm glad to have Jeff Johns and Gary Frank on it because they're two yep. masters working at the, the peak of their form.
2: Agree. It, and I also, cause I felt like we had sort of seen elements of this already. And then at the end of this issue, it's like coming up next, the conclusion. I was like the conclusion, this felt like a zero issue mm-hmm. to get us going into this story. So I don't. I don't quite know what the placement of this story is, but I do like this, and I'm curious to hear more of this world. We get some more setup of uh, uh, what's his name, Robot Joe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh,
0: yeah, I think the idea fun. here is to tie the unknown universe stuff a little closer together because they're launching everything, and also, I'm not saying this derogatorily, but kill time until they're launching Ghost Machine next year. With the new number one. The idea there, if people don't know, is they're going to have four superhero universes. They have a bunch of top tier writers and artists who are part of this co-op that are exclusive to this co-op. Uh, and one of those universes is going to be the unknown universe. So there you go. There it is. Did- Detective Comics, whoop, there it is, as I like to say. Detective Comics 1077 from DC Comics, written by Ram V and Dan Waters. Art by Jason Sean Alexander and Casper Wingard. In the front story, Batman is about to be hung in Gotham, in the center of Gotham City for crimes against the city. Uh, And meanwhile, Catwoman and a bunch of other folks are trying to break him out and fight against this. It is, of course, as you'd expect, caused by a demon who has infected Batman classic stuff and then there's some backup stories as well that show us other aspects of the the gotham world what'd you think about this
1: yeah i first off epic cover just absolutely loved it um yeah i love the uh toxic love story that we got oh man get you in the feels man that was really cool but this is a this is a total package where you get a lot of bang for your buck so really loved it
2: do by toxic
1: love story you mean the Batman Catwoman stuff? The one of them was called uh, Toxic Love. One of the hmm. stories in there. Oh, oh, the, okay, great. The uh, <laughs> so that one.
2: The is that the backup? I think maybe. Yeah. The. I I the Ram V story, I think the art is fantastic by Jason Sean Alexander, really moody, gothic, uh really fits the story. And I like that this is putting Batman out of the story as and putting together a team of people to try to save him. It feels like the the story's been told a lot, I think around Batman, but this one feels pretty measured and doing it in a way that feels more real than other versions of it where it's like we're probably going to die here. So that's fun. And I also like the the second story, which um, had some good Solomon Grundy. My guy yeah. from Starman uh, out back in the day. Like, love to see him uh, back in prominence. Great stuff.
0: Deadpool, Seven Slaughters, number one from Marvel, written by Cullen Bunn, Justina Ireland, Rob Liefeld, Cody Ziegler, Steve Fox, Gail Simone, and Mark Guggenheim. Ard the Goose. By- Philip Sivey, Greg Ladd, Chad Bowers, Frederica Manson, Gerardo Sandoval, David Baldeon, and Will Portatio. This is, per the title, seven different stories of Deadpool where he kills people. He slaughters them. Um, mm. I didn't know what this is going in. I also I don't agree. know why this is coming out, but I did love a lot of these stories. In particular, I thought... The first story by Cullen Bunn that has Deadpool just talking through the multiverse was great. Yeah. Like, Agreed. so good. What a good kickoff story. Oh, Pete, give it a no, a non no. I, I, I saw
1: know. a no face. That's What's right. What's going on, Pete? Hard to disagree on that.
0: Ooh.
2: I know why. Yeah, you do. There's the a little image in of there. Frankencastle yeah. in there, and that's enough to set you off? Yeah. Just because he's there?
0: It's yeah. a different
1: universe. It's a he different even universe. say anything. It's, he's there. He doesn't it's even say, hey, hey, how
0: are you doing? It's me, it's Frankencastle.
1: Enough. I don't want to see him ever again. You may well, dead what's to me. That's why? Why. I love the he, last story. The Gail Simone story was also great.
2: The well, s story was very good. But the, you the don't need game, to
1: have a reason to have a bunch of great Deadpool stories. You know what I mean?
2: Well, but as I read this, because I liked the title page was sort of deeper after the first story. And so I didn't know what was happening. And I really liked sort of walking in unexpected to this. And when I saw Frankencastle, I was like, oh, man, that's cool. I'm going to um, talk about this for a while. Because it made me think, Pete, we don't have Frank Paws Castle. We only have Frankencastle. What is Frank... That's- Frank Paw's castle is in uh War World. He's gone. Right. Okay. Or sorry, Weird World. All right.
0: So, so like he's this is the only in a Frankenstein monster, right?
2: I'm just saying this is the only Frank castle you get. Don't that's you not want? True. Yeah. Don't you want to hold on to that little piece? I don't know. Pete's, Pete's piece? Nope. And don't you remember when he was cut to pieces by Daken, And that's how Frankencastle came about. Are you having fun? I'm just talking about the comic. I'm just <laughs> talking about As the I are
0: say, if Doc is a rockin', don't come a-knockin'. Right, Pete? Yeah. Thanks, ho- horrible dad. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're a bad dad. How dare you say... Something about Doc and anyway, I agree. The real standout of the issue was that one panel where Frank and Castle didn't say anything. Why don't we move on to Dutch <laughs> Number Zero from Image Comics, run by Ch- Chap Yap and Joe Casey, yep, yep. art by Nathan Fox. Uh, in this issue, we're getting like I don't know, I would say a old school Image 90s character who's retired doing a John Wick, he is attacked. He's pulled back into the game. Very fun issue. I had a good time.
1: Yeah, it's it's badass. It's kind of like a cyborg meets Rambo type of situation, but uh, great art, fun book, fast-paced, tons of action. Love it, even though it's a fucking zero issue.
2: Well, Pete, just back-to-back bummers. Uh, only not no comment on the book. Cause it's going to be back back to
1: back because fucking Green Lantern's next.
2: Okay, just wait. Uh, shouts to Nathan Fox, old friend of the show. I haven't yeah, seen a lot of work Nathan from Fox. him, so love to see it here. Really great. Uh, th- this comic it reminds me of a more, a less irreverent, more sort of self serious local man. Mm-hmm. The the uh, Tim Seeley book that I've been really enjoying also from Image, and this, uh, but this is really great. This is like if Cable was like you know. My life is actually hard, and now I'm even older than I was when I was fighting these people, and now all my chickens are coming home to roost. This didn't even, to me, read like a zero issue. This read like a true number one, so I'm very curious, and there's a slightly different team on it, what the number one is going to be like in relation to this. Uh, but I, I agree. This was
0: I wouldn't judge it by the zero issue at all. Um, this definitely feels like the kickoff. This is like the first half hour of John Wick, but like you said – with cable. Um, Very fun. Great art. Pick it up. Green Lantern, number five, from DC Comics, written by Jeremy Adams and Peter J. Tomasi, art by Zermonico and David LaFonte. In the front story, we're getting Sinestro is coming directly for Hal Jordan Green Lantern, and they are sparring here, leading to a twist that is weirdly telegraphed on the cover of the issue. Bad.
2: Bad cover choice, Should have saved choice. different next issue. I hate
0: that. Issue. I hate when that yeah. happens. Okay. And then we get a backup focusing on Sinestra's son over on his home planet that is apparently leading up to some sort of Sinister Sons type title um, from yeah. Peter Chay Chamasi. But Justin, you like the front story. Pete, I believe you like the back story. Take it away.
2: So, bro. Pete, go take your headphones out while I talk, and then I will um, also not listen while you
0: talk because yeah, this we is real, can't. This is a real Jack Spratt and his wife situation. Take it away.
2: That's exactly the reference, the pop culture reference, I would say, uh, that I think we're talking about. I, I This, uh, the five-issue run here in this new series, I've been sort of like slowly, I, I, was, I didn't quite understand what the take was at first, and man, this – it's been slowly building on me and slowly like, oh, I see all these elements are coming together. It's written with a lot of confidence, really great art. But this the this issue brings together – it's the best Hal Jordan issue that's come out in years, I feel like. He gets to be a wicked hero. He gets to like throw off all the things that have been holding him down and at the same time confront his arch enemy – in a way that is uh so strong and a great last page reveal i thought
1: uh the backup story though come on i mean first off artistically it's unbelievable uh just got such a unique look and feel to it i really love the kind of like anime style a little bit um just uh Just really impressive, plus a a very unique story that when you open up a Green Lantern book, you don't think you're going to get. So really just impressed by it.
2: Were you upset about the Frankencastle
0: reveal (laughs) in this story? This is DC, asshole. I loved both of these stories. I thought the first story was a great Hal Jordan story. Like Justin said, really enjoying this title across the board. I think this is... The mystery of what is going on with Hal Jordan's ring and where he gets his power from is great. I think the twist there, there's not a twist because, again, it's on the cover. But what happens with Sinestro is really smart and interesting. And like Pete was saying, Backup Story is great. Peter J. Tomasi knows how to write young characters. David Lufante's art is gorgeous and specific with its very sharp, specific lines, uh, thick lines throughout. So really great package. Very happy with this comic book. Star Wars Dark Alex Troy. is
2: once again the baby bear of the stack. He, <laughs> he likes does. things just right.
0: Just right. Star Wars Dark Troids, number four for Marvel, written by Charles Soule, yeah. art by Luke Ross. In this issue, The Scourge who is a machine intelligence who has been taking over the droids of the Star Wars universe is going for the flesh, wants the flesh to expand and the meat. And the interesting twist of this issue, it is created a council of various parts of its personality, leading to some big changes for the scourge that I was not expecting that I think, are really interesting. I I love, I I don't know how they're going to wrap up this particular storyline, but I'm really fascinated to see where it goes.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I've actually, I thought this has been the most successful of the larger movements in the star Marvel star Wars stuff. And uh, it is good. It's, there's a lot of ideas on the table here. We're playing around with characters that are in the actual star Wars movies. Though one of my takeaways here is like, isn't there something where R2-D2 can just sort of sit it out? Oh, um, go sit. fuck yourself. He can just not be. He, Dude, he, this was, he, he, he was
1: a fucking one bright spot to this whole thing. What the fuck are you talking about?
2: I'm just saying he's a center of every story. I'm like, give this guy, take him a break. He, maybe he's just not at the right place at the right time all the time. Is all I'm saying about this droid that can, he's like two, he's on two bad roller skates. Like his, his wheels barely how work. How dare you? Go have them sit somewhere for a minute.
0: Did to, you like? Uh, though, to see I mean, in this book, we essentially get like the droid Avengers. We get a team up of all the droids that you absolutely know for the most part, all teaming up together to be like, yeah. "Hey, we want to help you take down the scourge." That's great. That's fun.
2: That is cool. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm just always surprised that R2D2 is like, "Here I am at the center of the story once again." <laughs> you know, I'm like, the, once again, how I, are you always there? You I barely can move.
1: I I, it's Bob was you're like well man I love Star Wars and man uh, but R two D two always being the hero that's if you like Star Wars that's what's going to happen yeah no I know I it's just
2: funny to me in the comics they could do a different thing
1: anyways this dark droids thing has been super scary and very emotional and I was really worried about how this was all going to show up but then. I don't know where my boy R2-D2 showing up straight giving us hope. Uh, I just, I lost it. I was so excited to see R2. Um, That whole uh, dark droid council was really uh, bumming me out and uh, creepy in all sorts of different kinds of ways. Um, But man, uh, yeah, it was nice to see a little light at the end of the tunnel.
2: you ever walk into your kitchen and your appliances are having a council?
1: No, I would scary. run I would run scary, away. Scary.
2: <laughs> scary dude. When the toaster's talking, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, toaster's like nice. my R2D too, you know? Mm-hmm. He's always okay. showing up in important situations.
1: As you're
0: A haunted girl, number two from Image Comics, written by Ethan Sachs and Naomi Sachs, art by Marco Lorenzana. This is following a girl who has been dealing with some serious depression issues. She's trying to get back into high school. Only problem she's actually seeing ghosts and other spirits. Um, most likely we assume that this is what is actually. Gotta happening. think that's
2: true. Gotta yes. think that's true. Yeah, so that's
0: kind of messing her up a little bit, but this is dealing with some very real issues as the at the same time as it's dealing with some fantasy issues. What you guys think about the second issue here?
1: uh i first off the cover was just too scary it really freaked me the fuck out Mm. uh then we had a bunch of close calls here with uh entities getting really close to her um but uh yeah really amazing art it's both beautiful and terrifying at the same time which is really impressive um yeah i'm uh very worried about how this is going to turn out for her but this is an exciting ride
2: if you're a fan of the Luna Brothers, I feel like this book is a nice book to pick up um, in that genre of storytelling. Uh, it's fun. It's a little scary. If it's scaring Pete, it's um, at least a little scary. So uh, definitely check it out.
0: And just to be clear, in terms of the art style, I would say it's far more top cow than it is Luna Brothers. But I get what you're saying about the storytelling mode. Um, and I like oh, it. We'll, I like that we'll they're sticking with the no, this isn't. Shots. I think. Fired. I think, I think he's right. Information. He's, he's, he's he's,
2: I said type fight. of story. I wasn't talking about
0: the so, art. Exclusive. Justin is a stupid piece of shit. Oh, and how dare wow. he say this? Is that cool, Justin? That's what I expected to hear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like how emotional this book is getting, and I think they're really digging into some interesting stuff here. They're not letting go of the emotional bent with the supernatural bent, and that's good. Superman Lost, number eight from DC Comics, written by Christopher Priest, art by Carlo Bacoulian. In the last issue, Lois Lane was given pancreatic cancer by Lex Luthor.
2: That's fun. That's a fun twist. What are we it's doing? Like, what, here's are we the doing? Thing. what are
0: I we doing? When I first started reading comics, I remember as a kid, I was like, why don't these characters have pancreatic cancer? And finally, I'm getting an answer. In, uh, twist. <laughs> twist. So this is great. This is like, uh, I'm going to say something derogatory that I don't even believe, but I'm going to say it anyway. This is like Tom King, but good. What? Wow. And what Wait, I mean what do you mean? By, what do I mean by this is like... this. Tom, is Tom is very, King Tom, is good. Tom King is good. But what I mean by this is like... This is pacing it along much more quickly in terms of how they're hitting the beats. It's much more clear and less obsequious in terms of what we're actually trying to do with the title. And here we're getting like these very calculated moves with Superman, with Lois Lane, with Lex Luthor as we get towards the end of the day. I think I was particularly struck by the last panel of the issue. There's this theme of Lex Luthor looking at his painting and he's just waiting for Superman to burst through and he's like... Why isn't he here yet? Wait a second. Did Lois not tell him about the cancer? And then he calls up Lois and is like, why didn't you tell him about the cancer? What are we doing? That last panel, the palpable anticipation of what is Superman going to do now that he knows yeah. gives so much tension going to the next issue. I think it's great.
2: Um, I agree with you. Like, I really enjoy this. Uh, like to take your Tom King comparison, I wouldn't make it that hard, but this story, this book definitely sets up ideas and then pays them off in sort of a more direct way uh with like the same big emotionality and all that so uh shouts to that i think this is great i'm going to be sad when this uh, this series is over
1: I was having a lot more fun with this before we went in the cancer route. Um, also, I don't like uh, Loris calling Lex that much. I don't like all that interaction. I don't like when Soup's is having a lot of interaction with Lex. Um, They're buddies. I, I don't yeah. like that. I, they grew um, up together in Smallville.
0: They were friends. Canonically. You
1: know, yeah, this is getting less and less enjoyable. And then Superman being addicted to car was not enjoyable either, so... Um, art's unbelievable. I gotta say, I know we talked about this in the last issue, but more and
0: more as we head towards the end, I think the title is less about Superman being lost and Superman losing. I think that's what we're going to oh. end up with here. Oh, future,
1: that's a cool right? idea. So. So should we call it Superman Slowly Loses His Shit?
0: Yeah. Uh Yeah, we'll see what happens, but I don't think you're going to be happy at the end here, Pete, is my suspicion. Let's move on to a big issue on Avengers, number four from Marvel, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Javier Guerrero. Yes, the Duges himself. So there's been this big mystery that has been running through the Marvel Universe for at least the past couple of issues of this, where who is Captain Krakoa? Yeah, Captain who Krakoa is the broccoli? Is character Captain America. W- Resurrected by Orcus, has been leading a new liberation front, but really been working for Orcus, and the uncanny Avengers have been fighting against him. Big spoilers his
1: here. Broccoli that comes out of his helmet.
0: There's broccoli that comes out of his helmet, and as we know, broccoli is gross, ill, yucky. Yucky. The reveal happens at the end of this issue, so this is a big spoiler here, but. Uh, it's what we thought it was.
2: (laughs) We threw a lot of other wild ideas out there, and the fact that it was just the most boilerplate one, fine. But it would have been cooler if it was Strife, like we said.
0: I agree. It should have been Strife. Everybody agrees it should have been Strife, but... Everybody agrees. But I will say, the way that Jerry Dugan relays it out here in terms of its Hydrocap, to be clear, is that, okay, Cap was resurrected by mutants and now he's fighting for mutants. Hydra Cap was resurrected by humans and now he's fighting for humans. Makes a lot of sense here. And setting up as an antagonist is, I think, very smart to give Cap an ultimate opposite here. Pete, you were a huge fan of the Secret Empire storyline when it was coming out. Uh, what did you mm. think about the reveal on this issue?
1: Well, uh yeah, I don't care. Uh, I did like the Psylocke stuff that we got, and the Deadpool stuff was great. The part about him getting cut in half was hilarious. Uh,
2: okay. The, yes, the- I, I
1: will say those were two
0: very fun bits. Deadpool gets cut in half and slowly slides off the sword yep. and says BRB. Very funny. Very funny. And then yeah. Psylocke jumping out and chopping off the Strucker twins' hands gross badass badass uh also deadpool's reaction of like i wonder why i was on this team this is why and his job is to pick up their heads also a fun bit yeah
2: and i just think this is a surprisingly funny gross book in this the sort of position it's in in the x the fall of x storyline and i love that as far as the reveal like that's fine I don't know what the ramifications are of that because it's mm-hmm. such an expected reveal. It feels like he'll be defeated pretty quickly. Like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's a far-reaching thing. It feels like it's a short-term thing. But the longer-term things are this uh, romance, couple romance things happening here. I guess one romance thing happening here. And,
0: Monet, and, uh, Monet and Quicksilver.
2: Yeah, Monet and Quicksilver, which I'm really into. and Their great Black Widow moment. Uh, where Wild Side is like, I'll show you your worst m- memory, and she's like, ha-ha, I don't give a fuck. Bang, <laughs> or whatever.
0: That is very cool. I agree with you on the long-term ramifications, thinking about, like, I don't know. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but what Nick Spencer was trying to do with Hydra Cap is reflect the U.S. government and the outside world, which... I thought it was a very smart idea. However it panned out, I understand why he went in that direction with that storyline. I don't know potentially what having Hydra Cap in the Marvel Universe does now unless somebody does something similarly and specifically political in a very similar way. You know, So we're certainly right. heading towards a time with the presidential election where you could do a lot with that but I don't know if they will so much as he's bad cap and that's it. But so well,
2: that's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like there are larger political ramifications here. Yeah.
0: Fish flies. Number three from image comics by Jeff Lemire. This is about a criminal who is turned into a big old fish fly and the snotty girl who is friends with him. Things really go down in this issue. I love this book. This seems like Jeff Lemire getting back to his roots of character-based sci-fi storytelling, which we saw in Sweet Tooth and other things. Great stuff. Feels like a classic Sweet Tooth.
2: And... I like that, it, but but still feeling like a separate world. There's just a lot of tension and dread hovering over a lot of the interactions in this issue. And then a couple sort of like, oh, that's what you do when you want um, a monster or friendly animal to run away from you. You throw a rock at them and they're just really nice moves throughout.
1: Yeah, the uh, the – Each issue gets better and better, and I I like it. At first, I was like, what the fuck are we doing? But now I'm really into it. I was very moved by this issue, the line where it's like, you came back. Nobody comes back. was so powerful and beautiful and sad. Um, But, yeah, I was just so happy with where this kind of ended with the two of them kind of uh, BFFs forever, and hopefully nothing bad will ever happen to them. BFFs forever. that's
2: quite a thing. So, you love fish flies because it's perfect. That's what I'm getting for you for your housewarming. Nope. Hundreds and hundreds of fish flies.
1: Please don't. The
0: Vigil, number six from DC Comics, written by Ram V, art by Dev Malia Pramanek. This is the final issue of this title, which is surprising. This was a surprising way, I think, to end this series because we had. Such big revelations in the previous issue about the reality of what was going on with these characters. Here they're dealing with the fallout here, there, and we get a little bit of resolution. But it feels like to me there's a lot more story to tell. Um, I really like the series. I wish there was more.
2: Me too. I've enjoyed this all of the the run here and all the characters characters i think are really interesting feels like a valiant book from like uh years ago in a, in a good way i mean that as a compliment and I, this is the kind of book i feel like we really need to in dc and marvel to reinvigorate just the character pool and new superhero teams and all that fun original take they're in the bleed let's see more of them
1: yeah, uh, this uh, was really impressive. Uh, the creepy smile kid really freaked me the fuck out. Um, yeah, it's uh, sad to see it go. This was really creative and cool.
0: Oh, Pete just ran out of energy. Daredevil number three for Marvel, with my solid Ahmed, art by Aaron Cooter and Fred Karabi. In this issue, can Daredevils have it all? Can they be both priests and Vigilantes? <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, like they're having trouble. The answer trouble. is no. The answer is no.
2: Because, Pick a lane, priest yeah. or vigilante, both great, well-paying jobs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, one thing that I really liked about that issue, I know I'm being glib here, but I've been wondering what the big move was with this new run, because you always get that with Daredevil. I don't know if it's sustainable long-term, but this is the first issue that I really felt like they were driving down on that divide, that idea of, like, he's a priest during the day, not a lawyer anymore. Now he is a vigilante at night. You can't actually do that because a priest is a -a 24-hour-a-day job. So. I think that's really is interesting. That, is that true?
2: Are priests just like phones well, ringing? Because this, this issue, this issue say, tries to say that the local priest is like, I got another call, another voicemail from my parishioners. They're on my ass to do some
0: stuff. I don't know. If I know anything from TV and movies, whenever somebody walks into a church, the priest is there and uh, eager to offer advice. Exactly. Surely
2: there's a rotation. I would have a couple of priests just like... Identical. I do the yeah, but when stuff goes down so in the church, know. matching priests, yeah, yeah, match match those priests. Well, they dress alike.
1: What's interesting, so you can't I can't tell the difference. What's interesting that I find in this issue is Daredevil's a little harder than I've seen him in a while. Like I'm a little worried about his mental state. I mean, this is he's very dark wow. in this. What it take? But, <laughs> is usually like, the
0: steadiest of characters.
1: Well, I, I know what you're saying, but I don't like how much he's looking forward to hurting people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The fact that he talks about how he's going to enjoy the pain that he's inflicting. I don't like that. Especially if he's supposed to be this priest kind of godlike vessel. I'm like, yo, dude, what the fuck is going on? Um, so, Uh, Yeah, I I also think there's some real badass Daredevil moments in this where like the crane like takes out the two dudes standing behind him. That was really fucking cool. Um, But yeah, I'm really worried about how uh, dark Daredevil is becoming.
2: It sounds like his religious beliefs are um, causing him to repress uh, certain feelings that are then coming out in other ways, which hmm, uh, I, I see that. The other thing I think is like the story replaces a lot of other Daredevil stories have him in a relationship with someone that he's constantly like feeling guilty about and not really being a good partner to. And they've replaced that with these uh, kids in his charge. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious in most Daredevil stories, it ends with that woman being either killed or somehow go through a horrible tragedy. I don't know what they're going to do now. You don't that think it's they can murder all the children? Kids. Well, know, I, I hope not. And I also just don't know if we're following that same pattern. I don't know what where it's going to lead because this, like, to your point, Alex, it feels like it is really that sort of like classic Daredevil. Like I can't balance my life between the two things mm-hmm. I'm doing.
0: Well, and to the point Pete is making, I think what we're getting here very clearly is he is a man of God during the day, and he is a man of the devil, during, literally, like, dressing like a devil at night. I love that concept, and I love that they're driving in on that. Um, I hope that they continue it, because I think it's very interesting. So we'll
2: I like that, too. I want to get more of the devil side. I feel like we had more of the demonic side of it in the issues before this. And now it th- that's completely left out here.
0: Yep. Well, we'll see, uh, something epic. Number seven from image comics by Sisman Kondransky. This is not the final issue of the surprisingly, series. surprisingly. It's going to continue. It's been Weird. Following this guy who has been wrestling with his own creativity and depression, ultimately discovering he is called an epic who has the power to create imaginary worlds. Um, I've been I love the art in this book and I love the writing of this book, but I've been a little disappointed with the direction that more explicitly put it in a superpowers fantasy type way versus the more metaphorical way that the first couple of issues existed in. But what do you guys think about this first arc and how it wrapped up?
2: Uh, I feel like I like the way – because I, I agree with you. Like it sort of felt like it was covering really original territory and then it got a little bit more uh, expected for the last couple of issues. I think this sort of pulled it out and leaned back mm-hmm. into the creative side of it in a good way. I, I am curious where the story goes from here. This feels like what was going to be the end of the story and now we're pushing through into something new. So I hope – the new arc can pay off what this series is setting up that creativity rules all and what that means for the future of this character.
1: Creativity rules. Yeah, I agree. I thought this was the end. It kind of came to a natural conclusion here. I did feel like some issues felt, felt more epic than others, but I think it did a good job of kind of writing the ship or landing it here in this one. Um, I liked what it was saying about creativity and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the art is just really impressive in this book. The way it can handle a lot of different moods and tones and still feel like the same comic is very impressive.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you guys. Just to be clear, I think it didn't 100% go back to the is it real, is it not real nature of the first couple of issues, but it did dive in very deeply into the nature of creativity and how we create things and how that affects us mentally as artists. So I think that's the core of the book not the powers part of it. And uh, I like that. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm interested to see how it kicks off the next arc. Wesley Dodds, The Sandman, number two from DC Comics, written by Robert Venditti, art by Riley Rosmo. Yeah. A yeah, classic Sandman character is investigating yeah. a weird arsonist mystery back in the day while his mind might be cracking up, potentially, other than the Riley Rosmo art, which is gorgeous as usual. What did you
1: think about this book? Well, you can't say that. You can't take away all the fun things that I wanted to say about Riley Rosmo's art because it's unbelievable and worth it for the art alone. It's so enjoyable. Uh, It's just, it's a whole nother level, but... Fine, Zalbatron. We'll talk about the other things. Uh, yeah, I I, 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 think they do a great job with this p- pace and storytelling, and it's fun to see the character kind of stumbling and going through stuff like this. So, yeah, I'm very much enjoying this.
2: I believe the future of comics is an artless world where it's just a uh,
1: heartless world. <laughs> yeah, just it's all the words. just words,
2: just words. And different bubbles. The bubbles are different. Well,
1: can you give us me some blank pages in between the words so I can catch my breath a little bit or no? Yeah, wow. <sighs> I'm underwater
2: with all these words. Shouts, shouts to neighbor Ganci, uh, and his SNL monologue. This book, is, I love this. This is I'm a fan of the Wesley Dodd Sandman character going back to um, his time um, in oh, the JSA. Oh, well-timed shirt. Look at this. A well-timed shirt. And the great four-part story in uh, Starman, which was fantastic. The uh, that is the shirt I'm wearing. The and this this is a great extension of that. The Riley Rosmo art is essential to this. It's so good and gives us a nice old-timey feel, if I can use words that Pete didn't say but might. And uh, <laughs> I'm gonna keep loving this.
0: Fantastic Four, number 13 for Marvel, written by Ryan North, art by Iben Coelho. This is the second part of a two-part story where the Fantastic Four have previously ended up in a dimension, which is a dinosaur dimension where everybody is dinosaurs. They fought the Avengers, figured out how to talk to them. Now the thing is going back to the regular Marvel Universe where a Fantastic Four that is made up of dinosaurs has ended up as well as a Doctor Doom dinosaur that has teamed up with Doctor Doom. I don't don't know how you could not love a comic book where Dr. Doom Tyrannosaurus Rex teams up with Dr. Doom. The thing rides a thing dinosaur. This is a delight from front to back.
2: Take it very seriously throughout. I think this is great. Uh, I love the amount of science that's injected in here. It's like you learn as you read this and then... The, this issue references back to other things we've learned in the past. Love that. And I love that we're moving
1: into a different phase next issue. I mean, the cover has Dr. Doom riding a Dr. Doom T-Rex. So, I mean, if you aren't looking at that going, oh, I I want to enjoy this, then, yeah, don't pick it up because that's all, all it is. And it's a lot of fun, although the pun's got a little... It got a little too punny for me, but it was still no. really fun. No. Hey,
2: no, what was, if a Pete? What if a Pete Rex shows up at your a new home? Are you like all
1: aboard? Let's go for a ride. <laughs> Doctor Doom saying, "If it's not one thing, it's another." Talking about the thing, riding a thing. Down, I was just like, "All right, Doctor Doom isn't going to do." It's fun. having so
0: much fun, and it's just, very fun. Uh, I will also say, like, out a plot perspective. Ryan Norris' clear knowledge and fun with the Fantastic Four is so good. The idea that, like, for a change, the things got to beat the Doctor Dooms, great. great. Like, and even, like, the reference at the end there where he's like, yeah, I don't know. We've, we've faced him enough. I kind of got the beat on that. I got a handle on it. Yeah, I, I love that. Like, there's this offhand humor to this book that's so much fun. Yeah.
2: I'm very just having a blast reading it. What's your dino? What the dino universe? What dino are we looking at for this album and the LePage?
1: Well, you asked. Uh, you got something queued up there, Smarty Pants?
2: I mean, I always have a dino on on deck. What, what always is got it? a dino on deck? Well, you say you say yours. Uh, no, I want to. You started. Mine's, this. A, mine's Ankylosaurus. The tank.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Tank badass bone tail. Ank oh, the tank yeah. bone bone tail. That's a that's a badass dino. Can't fuck I, with him.
0: I don't know, stegosaurus, maybe?
2: Spike, you look Yeah, like spines?
0: Yeah, I got spines. I got spines, but like I'm sort of lumbering along and I'm I'm a vegetarian. Uh,
2: lumbering. Pete? Pterodactyl. Pterodactyl.
0: Pterodactyl. Pterodactyl.
2: I wouldn't up, have
1: guessed that. Get up above it all, you know what I mean? Above it all? What is yeah. the
0: dinosaur that's like in the muck biting all the other dinosaurs? Raptor. You're a raptor. Yeah. Okay. Great, we figured it out <laughs> Hi, Earth Divers number 12 from IDW Written by Stephen Graham Jones Art by D. David Gianfelice There's a new arc of this book that is all About folks going back in time And trying to change the history of the United States Here they are going back to the Signing of the Declaration of Independence I believe, trying to change Benjamin Franklin's history In particular, we also wrap Around to the first arc of the book Um I am not 100% sure what is going on in this book at all times, but I am more sure of what's going on in terms of the time travel plot from the first arc to this third arc than I was with the second arc.
2: Uh, Definitely. I think that's like where we know the history era we're in pretty well, I think as like revolutionary war. And I like, to your point, I like this book. I don't always know what's happening directly, but the world is really nice. I like the idea that the goal in seventeen seventy six to is to inject some different language into the Declaration of Independence, like they have different missions for each time period, uh, so that part is cool and interesting. The flash forwards to the modern day i don 't quite know what those mean yet though
1: yeah, amazing art uh, art uh, loved where it ends up uh, like the the second half uh, really felt like it uh, picked up and and was uh, clicking. I uh, love the vision part, and I'm excited to read more.
0: <laughs> I was like the part of our review podcast where we get to Pete saying, I'm excited to read more at the end of every review uh terror <laughs> wow. war number seven that's what i know it's gotten very late at night terror war he number is seven excited to read more yeah you're like the canary in the coal mine but for time terror war number seven from image comics written by saladin ahmed art by Dave acosta some big stuff going down in this issue as we find out exactly what the terrors are that have been attacking the city it all gets laid out for our terror fighting crew they split up in different directions leading into, I believe, the finale next issue, if I remember correctly. Um, I thought the this series is great. Like, this is a big action-y series with a little bit more on its mind in terms of how we view the other, you know, people who yeah. uh, we fight these terror wars on. So... It's framing a big, very specific political idea in something that is more accessible and fun. Uh, and the art by Dave Costiga is great. Like there's some very goopy stuff, but, but I was going to
1: say you uh, goopy. I don't like goop and carnage. Yeah. I like Alex. Goopier. There's
0: some goop. There is some goop, but I like this goop. Goop, there it is.
2: Uh, Goop, There it is. Um, Yeah, I mean, I take away all that stuff. I just I guess I wish the world had a little bit more specificity to it from a sci fi point of view. It feels a little bit like uh, it's a a wash and getting to these original ideas. And I think we could just have a little bit more specificity with the
1: characters in the larger world. Uh, I wrote it's a lot of uh, gross, gloopy action going on, but the great 80s hair. I loved how a lot of great hair.
0: Mm-hmm. Excited to read more, Pete? <laughs> Pete hates Wow. Me. World's Finest Teen Titans, number five from DC Comics, written by Mark Wade, art by e- 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 Emanuela Lupacino. We are once again getting sort of a done in one issue featuring classic versions of the Teen Titans, but it is finally starting to tie into the greater plot of the series. what you guys think about this one? I mean, this
2: is a tough, tough times for everybody, huh?
0: Mm-hmm. These Teen Titans
2: aren't doing so hot. Pete, anybody, anybody Pete. else, were you sweating this? I've mean, you haven't. You rarely see a team, especially like the Teen Titans, take this many L's mm-hmm. as what happens in this issue.
0: I did like the end here, and I do really like Manuela Lupecito's art. It is. Uh, I'm thinking there's an, a specific artist that I'm thinking of that is very similar. It's not exactly Cliff Chiang, but like it's in that direction a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and I like looking at that quite a bit. This is also just Mark Wade having fun with the classic Titans, so I do like that. But like you said, it was a bummer of an issue at the same time.
2: Well, but I, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Like no, I no. like that, uh, and I like I the art; bumpers. is fantastic. But like Mark Waid has such a command of all the individual personalities here. So I think that each story is taking us, there's a lot going on, but each, everybody gets their due over the course of it. Even the villains.
1: Yeah, I I feel like this is just classic kind of a DC uh, action here, which is great. And, uh, you know, fantastic art, uh, fun last panel, good stuff.
0: The Immortal Thor, number four from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Martin Cookello. The original God of Thunder is coming directly for Thor. And he makes some big moves here, inspired oh, yeah. by Loki. I have been like literally, I think, back and forth on this title. Like, I like the first issue, was kind of iffy about the second issue, was also iffy maybe about the third issue. This issue, I loved. This was yeah. so good. This is Thor essentially recruiting Storm against her will. And Storm being like, no, leave me. What are you doing? I'm busy. Mutants are
2: falling right now.
0: Yes. Uh, And so we get a great fight between Storm and Thor that is so much fun and explores their powers in interesting ways and the differences between them. We get such an awesome build up to the end. This is so much fun.
2: Well and we get the a build up to Thor forming a core of Thors for only like 60 ish seconds. Yeah, which is dope. This reminds me of like Jason Aaron and I I not not to take anything away from Al Ewing, but in the same way that Jason Aaron was like would crack an idea about the about Thor and just be like this is what it is. This is doing that in a in an interesting surprising unique way. Great. And then we get this like sort of four-page uh coda to that the thor core, getting us into some rocks on stuff that looks horrifying and touching on the more corporate elements you that into Aaron? i'm in Thorcore. Uh i do parkour and Thorcore, and that's it
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, there's a lot of really awesome, nerdy kind of moments in this that are very cool that I didn't think I would see. And then you got Thor playing catch with all of his Thor buddies with the hammer. So it's like hot potato. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So cool. And I just want to mention, uh,
0: just to dive in on the coda as well, that involves Roxanne that Justin was talking about. There is some Absolutely wild meta stuff that happens towards the end of this issue. That
2: like I couldn't believe it was in there.
0: Yeah, it's I don't I don't know what this series is going to be next issue, but I'm very excited to check it out. The oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos, number five from Dark Horse Comics, written by Tate Bromble, art by Isaac Goodhart. We're getting some big revelations here involving our monster characters as they fight. Against a bunch of, they're not called Helsings, but essentially uh, like a bunch of monster hunters. I guess you could call it
2: sort of vaguely religious monster hunters.
0: Um, This issue was super fun. The Adam Frankenstein character is such a great addition to the cast. Everything that he does from the organ that shoots lightning and sinks the church to underground... The difference where I think he's like, this is soccer. And he's like, no, no, it's called Monster Ball because monsters were playing it. Very fun. I I just really enjoyed this issue.
2: I know why you like it, because I think this book is like later seasons of Buffy. Mm
0: -hmm. I feel like
2: they've taken that spirit and sort of built it into this book. And it is good. Like it is fun. The characters are fun. There's so many different monstery genre things wrapped up yeah. here, but it doesn't feel like we're stuck in any one at any time. It feels like a whole new thing. Uh, if you're a Buffy fan, check this out.
1: Yeah, this is really cool. Uh, love the art style, the cool monster underground. I love the world that we get to see and how much time we kind of are spent in this new world. Very funny ending. Yeah, I can't wait to see what's next. The Call, number four. That's what's next. From Image Ah! Comics, written
0: by Kelly Thompson, art by Matea de Luis. In the last issue, our main characters headed back from the real world that they had escaped to and came back to the real world with a bunch of new powers, only to discover it had been wrecked by some giant creatures. Here we're looping back. To the beginning of the series and moving forward from there, as they reconnect with their families, this has pivoted from very uh, dark yeah. Narnia-style tale to now like War of the Worlds, the Mist-style yeah. story. Uh, I am bowled over by the big swings this story is taking. I can't believe that it is ending next issue because I have I'm no so idea. What, oh my god, yeah. what's going to happen? And the art by Mataya de Luis is just like iconic, and gorgeous. I don't know if you guys ever read the Chris Van Allsburg books, the Mysteries of Harris Burdock, and other things like that. This feels like that, but ongoing to me. If anybody mm. out there has read that stuff, great. This is like firing on all cylinders.
2: Yeah, I think Kelly Thompson's having a renaissance right now. Yeah. with The creator-owned stuff that she's doing Tom as well as— Thompson. Yep, Thompson as we're calling it, <laughs> uh, as well as all the other stuff that she's doing. So, the, and this book is, like, is right in line with that. It's fantastic. The art's amazing. If you're, a, like, a Stranger Things uh, fan,
1: I would read this. Yeah, I mean, shit gets crazy at the end of this comic. It's really epic in awesome ways. Um, yeah, I the whole, I don't want to spoil it, but man, just unbelievable. And the art, can't say enough about it, super tight bananas.
0: Really great stuff. Definitely pick up this book, Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos, number two from Marvel. Written by Starfish.
1: Howling, oh, you see what they did there? I do, I do get it,
0: and then uh, because all he's right. a wolf in there, and they're howling. And then, yep, uh-huh. written by Stephanie Phillips. Art by Carlo Magno. Steve Rogers, right at the beginning of his career in World War II, has gotten scratched by a werewolf, and now he has become a werewolf himself. He's got to fight a bunch of Nazi werewolves in the meantime, as well as figuring out his teamwork with the Howling Commandos. Um, I don't know. I don't know why you can be bad in a book about uh, werewolf Captain America fighting Nazi werewolves.
1: That's fun. I mean, that's just fun. That's just a great idea. Fun execution. Love the art of it all. And uh yeah, I just think, you know, that whole line about, like, let at the end, the kind of rallying cry of, like, let's go kill some werewolf uh, Nazis was great. It's just, it's what you think you're signing up for, and they deliver. It's funny that Cap
2: Wolf's a thing, where everyone's like, well, Cap Wolf, that's yeah, Cap Wolf. It's like, okay, that's an ongoing thing. It also struck me in this, that back in World War II, they just, everyone's fine with getting injected with stuff. Oh, yeah, Everyone's like, yeah, I'll take a serum. I'll take a little juice. Turn me into something. I'll go fight this war. They're, well, I'm the greatest generation. I'm the greatest juiced generation. Uh, oh, take that, easy. Tom Brokaw. Uh, how yeah. many um, like big pa- army powers were like? Let's get a witch in here. Let's get a little witchy lady in here and see what she's got to say.
0: Uh, probably a lot. It's weird that. Uh, not to criticize Nazis or anything, but it's weird that Nazis are like, let's get this half-naked witch lady to help us out, because it feels like that's not something would, Nazis would do. That feels like against their whole philosophy, but sorry,
2: I don't know. They seem pretty impressionable, the Nazis. They're just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll do whatever you say,
0: Yeah, the person South, in charge. Sounds good, Nazis. Uh,
2: but I do like uh, Cap Wolf. I like that he talks. I like everyone's like, hey, hey, don't shoot him. He's our yeah, friend. yeah. If he's wearing just he's, stop
1: shooting he, Cat Wolf, we can really go win this thing.
2: He's vaguely wearing Captain America's shirt. Yeah. Uh, he's our wolf.
0: Operation Sunshine, number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Henry Zebrowski and Marcus Come Parks, art yep. by David Rubin. This is about a bunch of vampires that have been tasked with stealing a relic that is going to potentially give them their humanity back. We're getting, after they were given their mission in the last issue, a little bit of them playing a little wait-and-see game before they pull off a heist, which I was kind of surprised about. I thought we were going to go straight into the heist thing. But I continue to love the humor in this book. I love the characterizations. And almost more than that, I love the art style. Like Oh, the the art art is something else. Exaggeration of the characters. I don't know. I called it out as like Man Magazine in the first issue. That's not exactly right. Like it's on that spectrum, but it's something entirely different. And I'm just really enjoying what everybody looks like in this book.
1: Yeah. Same. I agree. The The world that it pulls you into is so creative and cool, and it's got like this real feel to it. And uh, it's just uh, it's very interesting and creative. I I love the kind of like evil villain monologue we get in this. Uh, it just uh, you can tell the people working on this have a great sense of humor and uh, it kind of really comes through. It's, this is just such a fun, cool comic that is really well drawn. Shouts
2: to our guy, Henry Zabrowski.
1: Yeah. He's in the fam. And uh, this is a great
0: book. Last but not least, The Forged, number six, from Image Comics, written by Greg Rucka and Eric Troutman, art by Mike Henderson. Our Forged, our big warriors, are on the, I guess it's a throne world, hanging out with the Empress and a bunch of other related characters. But there are forces that are allied against them, and ultimately, by the end they're going to go have to fight the first alien intelligence that has encroached on their universe. This continues to be big and wild sci-fi that feels very European to me. I think part of that is like the larger size of the pages and the issue, but also yeah. just in terms of the pacing and the ideas and everything. Um, and it's also down to Mike Henderson's art, which these characters... fantastic. Have are so good. You know, something, I mean, we talk about this on the show a lot, but my son, who is, has been reading comics, we ended up talking a little bit about like, he asked me, I think it was, why does Carol Danvers and this other character who is blonde look the same? Do you, and he was asking me about theories on that. I was like, well, the reason is artists generally are like, I know one body type and I draw that and then I just paint (laughs) costumes on and that's it Mm. the characters here in the forged are different they're different body types and honestly like i appreciate seeing that i would rather see people that look different i know it's harder but please do that because it looks better as a comic book
2: Definitely. And on top of that, this story is so good. Like it is, we get a uh, high tension Soderbergh, like Ocean's Eleven style uh, telling of how, of a murder plot, which is great. And then an, a second fantastic battle sequence that has like a uh, almost like fifth element, like playfulness yes. to it. Uh, like this book is just It's doing a lot, but it's just a very fun, light read at the same time. Uh, Greg Rucka, I feel like, can just do so much, and this is a tone I haven't seen from him in a long time, so I was very happy uh, to see it.
1: Agree with everything you guys are saying. It's just really epic. I love all the badass action. The art is so smooth and cool as shit. This comic rocks more, please. And that is it for the stack. If you
0: would... If, blah, blah. if you would like to support us, please do so at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Android or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter slash X comic book club live on TikTok and Instagram comic book club live for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book club.
2: Good night from uh, Pterodactyl, Ankylosaurus, and uh, Alex's Steg.